This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? Top of the afternoon to you here on SNR and 970 ESPN. It is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. High noon, you already know the drill. It is uh, your favorite program on your 24-7 home of the black and the gold. You already know what we're doing here, rocking and rolling on a Monday. A little housekeeping to get us started. You know, this is normally the part where I come rip-roaring in and make a couple jokes and set us up and give the Twitter handles and the phone numbers right and all that stuff. And we'll get back to some of that, to all of that as we roll along here. But a little housekeeping, um, I think just a little transparency to get the show started today. Uh, Arthur Motes is going to be out for the week, the best co-host in the business himself. Uh, Dealing with some family stuff right now. I don't want to, I I never know how to handle these things. You know, whether to kind of just leave them alone, whether to bring you up to speed. I know a lot of you guys follow Motsi on his different social media accounts, so you might already be familiar with what I'm talking about. I never know if I should address these things, if I should just move on, all that stuff. Um, But he has been public with it. The news is out there on social media, so... Uh, Arthur Motz's mother has uh, has just recently passed away in the last couple days. Uh, and then with that, as if things couldn't get worse than than losing your mom, uh, Motz's father-in-law also just passed away as well, too. So Motz's mom and then his wife, Shonda, her dad, uh, both passing away, you know, within a, a two-day span of each other here over the last couple days. Uh, so with that, obviously, Motz's going to be missing some time. Um, he's got to spend some time with the family, with his kids, with his wife. They've got to, you guys know all the drill, you know, the, all, all the details of arrangements and funerals and all those different things. So a tough, um, two or three days here for the Moats family. They're in my thoughts and prayers. Uh, I hope they're in yours as well. Um, all of our love to, uh, to Arthur, to Shonda, to KK, to Ava, to little G, uh, and both their families on both sides. Um, Man, it's it's tough to lose a grandparent at any point in time, uh, and then you lose another one just a couple days later. If you're uh, if you're Moats' kids, who I've I've grown to know and love over the years that we've been doing this show, uh, and then if you're you know if you're you're you're, you're Moats and Shonda, you lose um, your mom for Moats one day, your mother-in-law for Shonda, and then kind of the the shoe on the other foot just a couple days later. It's it's been a very difficult di- uh, couple days for them. Like I said, keep them in your thoughts and your prayers. All of our love uh, to the Moats gang as as they've dealt with uh, and are dealing with some some difficult losses here. So just wanted to say that at the start of the show, you know, we like to be transparent. And again, I don't feel like I'm I'm stepping on his toes because he's posted about this on on social media. So um, he's put the news out there first, and so I do feel it's kind of appropriate just to say at the start of the show here, uh, Moats is going to be out for the week for a few days here. As, uh, as he gets some important things in order and spends some important time with, with his family. So all of our best to him. You'll have me, Euler, here uh, today. No show tomorrow, obviously, with the Mike Tomlin press conference uh, and then the rest of the week as well, too. So you know where to get at me if you want to get involved. You guys know how this works. Whenever I'm in here solo, we do have um, maybe more interactive shows than usual. So I'll take your tweets, at Wesley Euler. You know where to get at me. Maybe we'll hop on the phone lines a little bit as well, too, as we roll along. You guys know the digits to dial. I'll give them again a little bit later. But where I want to start here 
today, and this is always the awkward part, right, of trying to transition from the the heavy heart, sentimental thing back into the, you know, just what we do as a show. But it's a little bit of a weird Monday, not only because I'm because I'm solo in here and I'm, I'm thinking about the Moats family, but also just because the Steelers played on Thursday. So it's been. You know, it's been four days since the Steelers won. We gave all of our reaction and, and kind of breakdowns to that on Friday, and we'll have some more of that today. But I wanted to do a little bit more of a global show today, if you know, if that's all right with everybody. It's kind of the halfway point-ish of the NFL season. Um, you're getting to that point where there's starting to be some separations between the teams. You're getting to that point where you've just got a, a, a better view of the scope of the rest of the league as well, too. So let's do a little global conversation today. Uh, I'll give you some takeaways from a Sunday spent on the couch. I had a rare Sunday to just sit there and watch football yesterday. Spoiled that it was a good slate of games, right? Started with the Dolphins and the Chiefs over there in Munich. Then uh, then Seahawks and Ravens, which wasn't nearly as competitive, I think, as we hoped it was going to be. Cowboys and Eagles has a dramatic ending. And then Bills and uh, and Bengals last night in primetime. It was a fun Sunday slate to have to just sit there on the couch and enjoy things. We'll do some observations, some takeaways. We'll talk a little AFC North, all that stuff. Let's start with Sunday observations from the couch, okay? And let's start with that game that I just mentioned. Uh, the, the game I was really excited to see yesterday was the Bengals and the Bills because it felt like kind of two teams, two teams that are both legit, two teams that I think – Man, maybe you're questioning it a little bit with Buffalo, Buffalo now, but I would still say uh, a Super Bowl contender, the Buffalo Bills. I know they're reeling a little bit. They're now 5-4, and four, but I still i am not counting them out of being a real threat in the AFC and to potentially win a Super Bowl. You had Buffalo at 5-3. and three. You had Cincinnati at 4-3. and three. Cincinnati ascending with a couple wins in a row. Buffalo struggling a little bit. Um, there's been some... I don't even know what I want to call it. Some infamous moments when these two teams have linked up, namely DeMar Hamlin in that scary situation last year, back in Cincinnati for the first time since that happened. These teams met in the playoffs, right? And there was some some war of words between the two teams and Joe Burrow talking some trash after they went up to Buffalo and won there in Orchard Park in the postseason last year. So a lot of different reasons to have this one circled on Sunday night. Cincinnati ends up victorious 24-18, to was the final score is don't look now. The Bengals are kind of doing the same thing that they did last year, struggling out of the gate, right? They started two and three. Joe Burrow was banged up. He looked rusty. The offense looked off, but now they've won three in a row. They've had their bye week in there as well, too. And they're starting to come to life at the right time, just like they did last year. And that scares me. I mean, you know, just from a Steelers standpoint and, and all that, not in the life or death sense, but this is a team that, They've got the formula down, the Bengals. You know, in the Super Bowl two years ago, back in the AFC Championship game last year, uh, they are right where they want to be. They haven't played their best football yet. They're starting to get close to it. They got, you know, the bye week at the right time to get a little bit healthier. And Joe Burrow looks like he's all the way back. I mean, nearly 350 yards passing, two touchdowns, 31 of 44. I mean, he's just dynamite. And then when you combine him with Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, um, that's just a – that is an offense that is humming. That is an offense that is difficult to stop. That is a team that is well-rounded. And that should not please you if you're a Steelers fan. <laughs> we need at least one team 
in this division to fall off the face of a cliff, right? But now you got the Bengals and the Steelers and the Browns all at five and three. Uh, you got the Ravens at seven and two. It's a good division, and where maybe there was some hope there that Cincinnati was was going to take a step back and and have a down year. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case because Joe Burrow is back, and and with that, it, it feels like the Bengals are as well, too. Uh, their defense is looking better as well. They struggled mightily at the beginning of the season, but they did a really good job putting the clamps on a, on a Bills team that is, that is now struggling. Um, Josh Allen had his moments, but they just they, – they don't have – a ton going on there. They're struggling to run the football because of that. It's they can't hit the big plays like they do with Diggs as much. I would be very optimistic if I were a Bengals fan. I would be very concerned if I were a Bills fan on this Monday. Again, two teams that I I still think I would both have in the contender category for sure. I'm I'm not I'm not sinking Buffalo at this point. I'm not writing them off. It's still a long season. They can get this figured out for sure. Um, but feels like two organizations that right now are headed in opposite directions where the Bills started the season really strong and now they're kind of stumbling where the Bills or where the, the the Bengals part of me really struggled out of the gate, but now they're getting it going. Don't like that. I don't like that one bit. That Eagles Cowboys game was exciting too, but again, the Cowboys doing what they do. They're a good team, but they just for whatever reason, there's something missing there. And Philly's 8-1. and one. I mean, there's no shame in going into Philadelphia and losing a one-score game. It's a really good team in the Eagles that was in the Super Bowl last year and has a great shot to be back there again this year. But that's just what the Cowboys do. That game was there for the taking. The Eagles played a horrible fourth quarter. Terrible. And Dallas still couldn't take advantage. I mean, the... The margin of error is very slim against these teams like the Eagles, right? These teams like the Chiefs. And when they give you that that margin, when they give you an opportunity, you got to take advantage. And that just seems to be the Cowboys' MO. They'll look good for a couple weeks. You'll start to think, all right, maybe there's something there. And then they'll have a real test and they'll fail that test. It's just what they do. And the Eagles, there's something to be said for... I still think maybe that Sunday night romp that they had over the Miami Dolphins aside, the Eagles have still not played their best football. They're eight and one. Despite that, that would worry me if I was a a team like the Niners or the Lions or the Cowboys. And you think, all right, we're going to have to see these guys at some point. They're still not playing their best football yet. They're eight and one. That's a, that's a, uh, that's a good roster. That's a good team over there in Philadelphia. Kansas City getting it done against Miami in another one of those separation Sunday type games. Um, the early window game, if you will, the early, early window over there in, in Frankfurt. Um, and how about that Tyreek Hill fumble lateral Chiefs touchdown at the end of the half? That was one of the crazier plays we've seen in the NFL this season. Um, the Chiefs are another one of those. Seven and two, the record looks good, but the eye test, they can be playing much better football. Um, they're starting to get some other guys involved on that offense other than Travis Kelsey. Uh Rice looked really good, the rookie wide receiver there for them um, in that game. The Dolphins are another one of those, a lot like the Bills. I mean, they've just been so up and down so far this season. Um, and when their offense doesn't score a lot of points, they're they're tough to to you know to go out there and get a victory. Now, credit to them, uh, the defense did enough in that second half to give them a chance. But 
uh, the Dolphins just they're an intriguing case to me right now. It's like their stock is so up or so down every week. Um, you know, the McDaniel's either looks like a like a like a genius one week or like what the heck are you doing the next? I said McDaniel's McCarthy. Pardon me. Um, you know, I just. I don't know. I really don't know what to think of the Miami Dolphins at this point. I know they're a good team. I know they're talented. I know that they will um, probably be in the playoffs. And and I don't know. I, I They got my head spinning so much, I can't even get the coach's name right. It is Mike McDaniels. I'm second-guessing myself over here. McCarthy, I'm getting him confused with the Cowboys. And then maybe there's some similarities between those two teams in the sense that they both look really good until, okay, here's a test, and then they find a way to go and lose it. Dolphins are, are one of those teams. Bizarre at this point, um, without a doubt. How about a big shout-out to Josh Dobbs? Uh, man, you want to talk about playing a hero in your debut. Um, you know, uh, Josh Dobbs just kind of you know, traded to Minnesota this past week, just got to town. The quarterback for the Vikings, uh, Jaron Hall, gets hurt because, of course, we know Kirk Cousins is out with that Achilles injury. And so Josh Dobbs, you know, just acquired at the trade deadline, has probably only gotten his security clearance, you know, to get into the building. Um, ends up coming into the game, well, I think it was second, either later in the first quarter, early second quarter, uh, and is able to propel that team to a victory over the Falcons, 31-28. to I mean, it was awesome. You, you, you love to see it from Josh Dobbs. Had a couple touchdowns through the air and on the ground. Was just out there making plays. A couple nice throws to Jordan Addison. A couple nice connections with TJ Hawkinson. And it's a Vikings team that, you know, no, doesn't have their best player in Justin Jefferson. Um, has lost some key guys to injury. Kirk Cousins, who was quietly having a really good year. Yet the Vikings are still 5-4 and four and, and right in the thick of things. So, big credit to, uh, to Josh Dobbs. Um, and you gotta love that. Just a guy that you know, we we saw him do some good things here in Pittsburgh, saw him do some good things in Arizona. Now, once again, in Minnesota, he's just a consummate professional. He's an easy guy to root for, and uh, it'll be fun to see if he can continue to have some success and, and maybe lead that Vikings team to a successful season or to a playoff berth, uh, despite, you know, rightfully thinking that, that things were done whenever, whenever Kirk Cousins suffered that unfortunate Achilles injury last week. Great stuff for Josh Dobbs, and you got to love to see that. Uh, surprising lack of fight from the Seattle Seahawks against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I mean, Baltimore just beat down on the Lions. Now they go and beat down on the Seahawks, and these are teams that are atop their division in the NFC. They're no slouches. Um, but, man, Seattle couldn't get their run game going. Their offensive line was getting eight up at the line of scrimmage all night. Geno Smith struggled. Because of that, they're playing catch-up. He's got no run game. He's got no offensive line and and really, you know, played one of his worst games of the season. Uh, the Ravens, another one of those teams, too, that I don't love what I'm seeing from a Steelers standpoint. Baltimore's playing really good football. Cincinnati's playing really good football. And, you know, you now, you're feeling really good about 5-3 and three from a black and gold standpoint. And your chance to get to 6-3 and three this weekend with the Packers in town but even at 6 and 3 it still feels like you're kind of just keeping your head above water everyone in the division winning this week um everyone in the division with at least 5 wins but right now baltimore is clearly pacing that group i know the steelers had success against them a few weeks ago and and that should make you happy 
you should have optimism in that. But at seven and two, the Ravens are just kind of a step above everybody else in, in terms of what they're doing and particularly these last couple weeks, beating up on some good NFC teams and, and leaving no doubt in the process. Um, they're getting the run game going. Uh, Lamar Jackson is, is, is looking healthy and making plays out there. They've got, I think, more talent at the wide receiver position than they've had in the while. Um, and they just, once again, they, they welcome an NFC uh, division leader to Baltimore and just make easy work of them. You, you, you don't love to see that. You also don't love to see the Cleveland Browns um, look like they're, you know, maintaining despite a lot of issues at quarterback, maintaining despite injuries to the offensive line and the loss of Nick Chubb. I mean, I hate to say this because I'm going to need to go brush my teeth or wash my mouth out, but, like, I, I am impressed by the Browns being at 5-3 and three at this point. Because Deshaun Watson played all right yesterday. He played his best game as a Brown, I think his best game this season by far. But, man, they lost Nick Chubb, their their offensive catalyst, in the second week of the season against the Steelers. Their offensive line is mangled. Both of their tackles are beat up and, and out. They're out. They're, they're beat up on the interior of the offensive line. I mean, they have every reason to be stinking up the joint. Yet they're 5-3, and three, and finally getting signs of life from Deshaun Watson. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Because if they can just get B-level performance from Deshaun Watson, it's a good defense, it's a talented roster, they're going to be in it through the thick of things. Um, But yeah, like I said, I hate saying it. I feel dirty saying it. I'm going to need to go take a shower and, and, and rinse my mouth out when we go to break here, but... Uh, the Browns, uh, despite everything they've navigated, I think it's it's impressive for them to be at 5-3. and three. And when you finally see some signs of life for Deshaun Watson, you think, oh, no. You know, if they get him going, watch out. Packers looking maybe their best as well, too. Speaking of the team that's going to come to Pittsburgh this weekend, a comfortable victory over the Rams there at Lambeau Field, albeit a Matthew Stafford-less Rams team and Obviously, uh, their offense, what they do, their organization is much different without Matthew Stafford under center. Um, but the Packers have really struggled lately. They get some good vibes. They get some key contributions from some of their their young players there uh, in Green Bay. And they're suddenly maybe feeling uh, a little bit better about themselves getting ready to head to Pittsburgh. Jordan Love, probably his best game of the season, 20 of 26 for 228 yards and a touchdown. Um, they're running the ball a little bit better now, the Packers. All of a sudden, maybe some life in Green Bay. And before we go here, we got to talk about the Houston Texans and what they were able to do, that comeback, that dramatic game against the Bucks. right? The Bucks score with like 50 seconds left to take the lead, and Baker Mayfield's going crazy. And then C.J. Stroud says, not so fast, my friend, and leads the Texans down the field. I mean, Folks, we, Moats and I tell you all the time, you never crown anybody off of one season, right? We talk about that a lot. Not one game, not one season. This is the National Football League. A lot of guys have looked good for a couple weeks. A lot of guys have had really good seasons and then never really the same or never really heard from like that again. But it is hard, despite not wanting to crown a guy off of half of a season, it is hard not to think that C.J. Stroud is a superstar in the making. I mean, 470 yards, five touchdowns, the go-ahead pass. Um, I mean, and he's doing it without 
<laughs> and this is all respect to his teammates on the offensive side of the football, but he doesn't have a very good offensive line. He doesn't have a stud running back. He doesn't have a bunch of stud wide receivers. I mean, C.J. Stroud is doing it with a lot of guys around him. And, man, he's been fun to watch. Man, he's impressive. And the Texans quietly now are 4-4, four and four, and they've got everything in front of them as well. Uh, they've got a real shot to make some noise in that division, maybe as a wild card. That win, I think, is going to do a lot for their confidence. Like I said, back at 500 and still got everything to play in front of you. Yeah, they might not be able to you know, to go toe-to-toe with the Jags over the back half of the season and win the division, but I think they'll definitely be in the playoff hunt. And, man, C.J. Stroud, like I said, just feels like feels like the next quarterback superstar, and he's doing it with a brand-new brand system, brand-new coaching staff, and not a plethora of pro bowlers and all pros around him. It's It's impressive. It is. It certainly is. So there's some of my thoughts of sitting on the couch yesterday and doing nothing but being a lazy bum and and eating wings and pizza and watching football. You know where to get at me. We'll have a little more global conversation. I want to talk a little bit more specifically about the AFC North, which if the season ended today, all four teams would be in the playoffs. It's a strong division. It's a division that went 4-0 this week. We'll do a little bit more AFC North roundtable. We'll get to some of your reactions, some of your thoughts on Twitter as well, too. It's all on the board today. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I've told you guys before how I feel like the first segment really sets the tone for the show. Like, if you have a good first segment, you're like, all right, we're off and running. There we go. People are engaged. People are responding. It's going to be a good show. And then you make a mistake in the first segment, and you're like, oh, dang it. And then it sticks with you, right? You're like the quarterback who throws the interception early or, you know, the the power hitter who strikes out in his first at bat of the game. I, I can't believe I got, I got so bottled up there in the first segment. I called Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel. And then I said, no, wait, I mean Mike McCarthy. No, wait, I actually meant Mike McDaniel. Yeah, my boys are in the group chat chirping me. I mean, it's nice to know they're listening at least though, right? And now I'm just going to think about that the rest of the show. Is how I made a mistake out of the game. Well, I didn't make a mistake at first, and then I overcorrected myself, and then I didn't. It's all right. We'll move on. We'll get better. We'll have some fun. At Wesley Euler is where you want to get at me, or if you want to get at me, where you can get involved. Carol tweets and says, your show always gives me a glimpse of hope. Neg- never negative, just the facts. Thanks, Carol. I appreciate it. I don't know. Maybe I am negative sometimes. I'm negative in the sense of, I ain't feeling great about what the Bengals got cooking. I ain't feeling great about the Ravens. Although, so the Ravens conversation, let's have this one real quick. I don't feel great about the Ravens in the sense of, I think they might run away with the division and that takes a, a, a playoff spot off the board. The Steelers and the Ravens, it's a weird kind of juxtaposition right now of, 
The Steelers have figured out how to play defense against Lamar, how to game plan for Lamar in that offense, and they've done so very well. And the record speaks for itself, right? Lamar's like 1-5 in in his career against the Steelers. It's insane when you compare that with his winning percentage against the other 30 teams in the NFL, not named Pittsburgh and obviously his own in Baltimore. So, like, if the Steelers had to play the Ravens in the playoffs, I'm not throwing my hands up and going, ah, well, there's a loss. They're going to kick our butts because, again, the Steelers just, they got the sauce when it comes to, to Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. But the rest of the league doesn't. They are beating up on people. They are looking really good in the process. And they're going to get it. I always hesitate to say this because it's the NFL. Guys get hurt every week. But, you know, Baltimore should get some reinforcements back. Now, they could obviously still have, you know, some other devastating injuries throughout the back half of the season like anybody could. But the, but the Ravens are a weird one. Because I look at that team, and I not that I say, oh, man, I don't want to have to play them in the postseason. Oh, they're a juggernaut. I just look at them and I go, man, I wouldn't want to play them if I was anybody else but the Steelers. And they could win the division. You know, they keep playing like they are and no one's going to be able to catch them. And then all of a sudden you're competing for a wild card spot with Cincinnati and with Cleveland and with Houston and with Buffalo or Miami. The, you know, the road starts to narrow and, and and there's a lot of cars trying to, to fit down that, that one-lane road. That's the kind of the, the Baltimore and the Cincinnati concern as well, too, because kind of same church, different pew. The Steelers have done all right against Cincinnati. Steelers have done pretty well against Joe Burrow. There's been a, a couple times that the Bengals, you know, scored some points and, and comfortably beat the Steelers, but there's also been the times where the Steelers' defensive, defense is really frustrated. Joe Burrow in that in that Bengals offense. I don't fear those teams in terms of again, oh my goodness, if we run in, into them in the postseason, we're screwed. I I just mean in the sense of I it's it's tough for me to see a universe right now where Baltimore doesn't win the division, particularly if you're telling me nothing catastrophic happens to Lamar Jackson in the back half of the season. It's hard for me to picture a scenario right now where the Bengals don't make the playoffs. And so, again, as I'm saying that out loud, that leaves two playoff spots now that you're competing for with Cleveland, with Miami or with Buffalo, with the Houston Texans. It's it's a, it's a tough sledding in the AFC. And that's with a Jets team that's right. I mean, imagine the Jets have looked pretty decent. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers was still healthy. AFC's loaded, Cousins. And, and that's where it gives me pause. In a vacuum, in a, in a one-on-one matchup, I think the Steelers, you know, can, can have success against any of those teams, but they're going to have to get into the dance to do so. And I tell you what, it's like a game of musical chairs, and, and, and there's, some, there's, some really good, uh, there's some really good teams out there and, and not a ton of chairs to go around, even with the extra wild card spot now. All right, let's get to this. I... I didn't know if I was going to bring this up. I wasn't planning on bringing this up on my own today, but when you guys are tweeting about it, when you guys are asking about it, I don't want to ignore it, and I do realize that it is a story. DJ tweets us and says, I need to know how you feel about the George Pickens social media antics uh, after the game, a little immature for a professional, don't you think? So let me speak on this in a more, because this is a global show today, right? 
I do think, listen, and I'm sure, you know, I'm 32 years old. So I'm not old, but I'm not young anymore. There's the younger generation below me. Certainly there's a, a clear, there's a clear, um, you know, line in the sand there. There's a clear um, distinction between my generation and the one below me. Just like the generations older than me probably feel the same about my generation, right? One of the things that drives me nuts is this this sending a message via Instagram thing. And George Pickens is far from the first person to do it, and he'll be far from the last person to do it, right? Kyler Murray did it when he was in Arizona and wanting his contract extension. Um, you know, NBA players do it all the time. Joel Embiid does it when he wants out of Philadelphia. This college athlete does it when he wants to transfer. This, this is the thing now for young popular famous athletes to do is even when they're maybe not disgruntled maybe just when they want to send a message maybe then when they just want some attention maybe when they just want their name in the headlines they scrub their instagram page of all the references of their team and so for some of you who are maybe unaware of what i'm talking about that's what happened with george pickens you know he's he's been a little quiet over these last two games and he's gone through his Instagram profile, and he's taken away all the pictures of him and Steelers. For lack of a better term, scrubbed his Instagram page, right? That's, I think, the best, the best way I can paint the picture if, you, if you're unaware of this new phenomenon. It drives me crazy across the board. Because I get that, yeah, maybe it's a way to send a message, but it is. It's, 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 I don't even want to say it's the most millennial thing ever, because I'm a millennial. George Pickens isn't a millennial. You know, he's like the new... What, Gen Y or Gen Z, whatever they are. No, Gen Z. This is like the most Gen Z thing ever. I'm going to go on my Instagram page, and I'm going to delete all the references to my team, and then people are all going to go, what happened? Why did I do that? Remember, this was a big thing with Kyler Murray in the offseason, if you recall. This is a big thing with Joel Embiid, the Philadelphia 76ers basketball player. This happens pretty regularly. It's one of those generational things that I don't like. I think it's petty. I think it's just unnecessarily drawing attention to yourself. It's the equivalent of taking your ball and going home, right? You got the kid, uh, you're playing basketball at the playground, and one kid loses and he gets upset, and it's his basketball, and he goes, you know what, screw you guys. I'm taking the ball and I'm going home and nobody else can play. Like, it's that kind of petulant, like, I'm going to make a scene because I can make a scene and I know it'll cause a reaction. I am far from saying George Pickens is a problem or he's a diva or here we go again. This feels like, you know, some of the recent wide receivers that have had a, you know, a a knack for for making some noise off the field, uh, you know, that, that, that have, have, have worn the black and gold over the last five or six years. I'm not saying, oh, no, I'm panicking because George Pickens is disgruntled. Like, This is just what the young athletes do now. He might have just thought, hey, I'm going to scrub my Instagram page. People will make a big deal about it. I'll get a good laugh out of it, and then I'll post something next week. I mean, like, it doesn't have to be that serious. And to these young guys, to these young athletes, I, I it's, it's, it's not that serious all the time. It's just – it's – it's making a statement. It's making a scene. It's taking your ball and going home when everybody else still wants to play. I don't love it. It's it's a new generational thing. But I also, again, the other side of that is I'm not pointing the finger at GP. I'm not saying get him out of here. I'm not saying this is going to blow up and become a huge problem. He's a diva. I'm not there yet. Not even close. 
So there's kind of my thoughts. Like I said, I didn't want to make a huge deal about it. I didn't want to spend a whole segment or certainly a whole hour or a whole show or something debating it. But since you guys asked, on the and DJ wasn't the only one who tweeted about it. He was just the first one that I saw. It is a big story. I would be remiss. I probably wouldn't be doing my due diligence as a host if I didn't at least spend a couple minutes on it. So there you go. DJ also adds, it's my 32nd birthday today. Well, happy birthday, cousin. Happy birthday to you. I'm 32 as well. It's a good year. But let's uh, stop the count right here. Can I just stay 32 forever now? I'm good. I don't I, I don't need to stay young forever, but I don't need to get any older than this. Get to more of your tweets to close out the first hour of the show. Uh, more global playoff um, NFL conversation to come here on a Monday. I've got some more observations for you. I've got some more takes for you here. Uh, second hour of the show will also... I got a little audio to play for you. You guys know sometimes when when Mozi's out, we still like to hear his voice as well too, right? Uh, so he did do some Steelers TV stuff over the weekend. I want to play you some of that audio. So it's all on the board. You know where to get at me if you want to get involved. We'll get the more of your tweets on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Tweets are rolling in. Appreciate that every day, but particularly on a solo day. Uh, as uh, we rock and roll into a new week here. A, a, a Monday after, you know, the Steelers either a bye week or after the Steelers play on a Thursday. It's always a little different, right? But little global conversation here in the first hour with some Steelers-related AFC North stuff as well, too. We'll do a little bit more of that on the other side at the uh, at the top of the hour as well, too. I uh, I tell you what, it, it, it's, been, it's been a long couple days. Like, I do feel like I got some, maybe that's why I couldn't, you know, I was debating myself in the open of Mike McDaniel. No, Mike McCarthy. No, Mike McDaniel. You were right the first time. It's been a long couple days. Like when the Steelers play on a Thursday, right, it always makes Monday through Thursday chaos because you're fitting, you know, a, a work week into like three and a half days. Everything gets pushed up. Everything's off. And then you've got like an, a 20-hour day on Thursday with the game. I, I didn't get home till after three in the morning. Because, uh, you know, I got to do the postgame show with Rob King and Charlie Batch and, and, and everything like that, all my different responsibilities, uh, you know, work. I got to do work. And uh, so, you know, you go home, you sleep for like three hours and then get the girls up and take them back to daycare and go right back to work and everything. And we had our family from Tennessee was in town this weekend. Um, they all double dipped, right? I told you guys last week they went to the Titans Steelers game Thursday night. And then we all went to the, the WVU game down in Morgantown on Saturday. So, like Friday, I get home, and normally I would just crash. But I've got my, you know, my two cousins, their two husbands, my aunt and uncle who live in Tennessee, and I don't get to see, you know, I only get to see them once or twice a year. So Friday night, we go out, we have fun, you know, stay up later than we should have on little sleep, and then Saturday we get up and we all pile in the cars and we go to Morgantown and we tailgate and we, you know, live it up and we go to the WVU game and we don't get home till one in the morning, again yesterday. So. I know I'm playing the world's smallest violin, right? But I mean, I've had it's been a lot going on these last few days, and as I always tell you, it's one of my eulerisms. Having fun is exhausting. If people think, yeah, you could just go have fun, just go have fun. What are you doing? You're just having fun. Yeah, but having fun is exhausting. It takes a lot of energy to have fun. 
And I'll just be honest with you. I mean, as you guys know, I got two kids, you know, two daughters. One's two years old. One's five months old. And so they just wake me up at like 630 every morning. And when you're having fun and you got to get up in the morning with the girls, that's a tough balance. It's like the old WVU football head coach, uh, Bill Stewart, who you you might remember tragically passed away from from a heart attack about a decade ago. Uh, His son, Blaine Stewart, was with the Steelers for a long time. He's now the tight ends coach at WVU, but he was the assistant wide receivers coach with the Steelers for a few years. Uh, Blaine Stewart, you might remember that name. Uh, his dad, Bill Stewart, when I was interning and, you know, for the athletic department, when I was like a little pimple face, chubby 18 year old. Uh, well, I'm still pimple face now. I'm just not chubby anymore, I guess. When I was an 18 year old interning for the athletic department and slugging cameras around the sideline at WVU football practice, I always remember Bill Stewart saying, if you're going to stay up all night and hoot with the owls, you got to be able to get up early still and soar with the eagles, like something along those lines. Meaning, hey, you want to stay out and have fun and and party in the evenings, whatever. All right. But you still better be able to do your job. You still better be able to execute and keep it moving in the morning. And I've been feeling that one a lot lately. Big Ron tweets and says, how much does the Cole Holcomb injury hurt the defense? Also love that blowout win in Morgantown this weekend. You're talking about let's go bowling, go ears. Yeah, no doubt from... Where we've uh, where WVU's been the last few years, I will take six and three at this point for sure. Big Ron, the Cole Holcomb injury hurts the defense for sure, twofold. And uh, a couple, a few more of you had tweeted about this. I think maybe Trey, somebody else tweeted about about Cole Holcomb. So let's talk about this for a second now before we go to break. The Cole Holcomb injury hurts the defense twofold. The first is just the fact that I, I think you lost your most well-rounded linebacker. Landon Roberts has a different skill set than Cole Holcomb. Certain things he does better. Quan Alexander has a different different uh, skill set than Cole Holcomb. Certain things he does better. But in terms of oh, the one guy who you don't want to leave the field, who can be out there in any situation, who has the best well-rounded skill set, I, I do think that that was Cole Holcomb of those three, you know, through the first half of this season. There's a reason why he was, you know, the one who was was rarely leaving the field in that regard. So it hurts the defense because I think you you lose your most versatile, your most well-rounded linebacker. And then the second phase of that is I, I thought the, you know, what it means for Quan Alexander. Because I thought what the Steelers had been doing with Quan Alexander through the start of this season, through right the first nine weeks, their first eight games. I did get that right, right? I think so. Through the first nine weeks, through their first eight games, you know, they had been able to keep Quan Alexander fresh. And that's always been the thing. When Quan Alexander is healthy and fresh, he's fantastic. But it's when teams, I think, have tried to make him the every down, in and out linebacker guy, and he's gotten a little banged up and hasn't been the same, that he hasn't played at, at you know, at his at his highest level. With Cole Holcomb and Alandon Roberts and what you had there, that allowed you to use Quan Alexander in a in a different way as well, too where now Quan is, is going to have to be thrust into that spotlight and is going to have to play more snaps. I mean, we could talk a little bit how this affects Mark Robinson and what you can expect from him, too, but that's the big kicker for me. Is Cole Holcomb was not only your most well-rounded linebacker, but I think what you were able to do with Quan Alexander and keeping him fresh and keeping him, I don't know, to use a basketball analogy, almost like your sixth man off the bench, right? You're like your first guy off the bench. 
that you you bring in at the right time with the right skill set to to get the job done. Uh, now maybe you're you're asking Cole Ale- or you're asking Quan Alexander to um you know to move up a weight class to use a boxing or fighting or UFC analogy. I'm all over the place today, baby. It, it, it stinks without a doubt. I mean, you're now down Minka Fitzpatrick for we would think at least a couple more weeks. You lost Cam Hayward for a few weeks. Um, it's been tough sledding for that defense. They've just they they've been unfortunate with that the last few years, haven't they? I mean, they just have not had much good fortune in the injury department. I mean, lost TJ Watt for for a good portion of the season last year. Were really banged up on defense the year before that. They they just unfortunately haven't uh haven't had the, the ball bounce their way, the luck in that regard. But Cole Holcomb is a it's a significant loss for sure. You know, as long as you got TJ, you got Cam back now, you still got Alex Highsmith, you can still do what you do as a defense. But it's going to be a significant loss. And like I said, too, the big thing for me is, you know, what's that mean for Quan Alexander, the trickle-down effect for the the rest of that linebacker room as well, too, who I thought they all had their roles, they all had their duties, they all had their jobs, and they were executing them very well. Now all of a sudden that gets thrown into flux. Hour number two on the other way, a little more AFC North talk. We'll hear from Arthur Motes in a different way, and we'll continue to get to your tweets. So it's all on the table, hour number two, at Wesley Euler. If you want to get involved, you can get at me on X. You can tweet me, whatever the heck we're calling it this week. We'll roll along on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.